Good morning, my Patriot friends. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that creates action potentials of patriotism. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Monday, January 8th, 2024. I'm coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone here in Oklahoma City. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcast. The show is also available on Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Audible, and now Radio Public. And new to the My Patriot Brain family, we're available on Odyssey. Follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify and share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, and anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com, for free content and social media links where you can follow me on Locals, Truth Social, Rumble, and YouTube. My Patriot Brain is sponsored by GadstonOne.com. Gadsden, Preserve the Founding. Uh, go check out his latest article. He published one over the weekend. Um, this one's over uh, the uh, uh, pro-Hamas protesters uh, shutting down highways and roads and, and kind of his take on that. Uh, and it, it's a good take. I think a lot of us share the sentiments that he has against that type of um, behavior. Uh, so as I've mentioned, we've uh, in the last, I guess, seven or eight days, I guess 2024, right? Eight days. Uh, we have uh, welcomed the listeners of Radio Public and the listeners from Odyssey to the My Patriot Brain family. So welcome to uh, all of you listening on those platforms out there. Uh, thank you. We appreciate it. And we're excited to be on, um, assuming you're listening to it on those platforms, your platform of choice. We're available on a lot of different platforms. Uh, new platforms we're, we're popping up on all the time as, as we get brought in um, to other uh, other platforms to listen to us. So uh, My Patriot Brain grows as um you all share the show and um, you know engage with the show, and so keep up the great work. And thank you. And again, welcome to Radio Public and Odyssey. Uh, I've been I was very active on my Truth Social and Locals accounts this week. Uh, I posted different things on the two accounts. So uh, if you follow My Patriot Brain, the show, um, go check out the My Patriot Brain community on Locals uh, and check out my Truth Social account uh, as well. I, I, po- I posted lots of stuff on there, uh, lots of things that make it into the show and things that don't make it into the show too. Okay, so let's let's get into some stuff here. So I was sitting in church, uh, and we were discussing the rapture. I wasn't discussing it; the pastor was discussing it, and I was listening. Uh, and I started thinking. You know, he he mentioned that um, kind of a joke that you know when the rapture hits, that there'll be all this stuff left behind, like dentures, and uh, you know. And I started thinking about you know fake hips and uh, you know artificial hips and you know prosthetics was something he mentioned. All this stuff left behind, right? Because the body disappears. And, and I, but I started thinking, okay, so what is the, let's get into philosophy here, right? So we'll get into philosophy for uh, Chris from South Oklahoma City, because I know he likes it when I talk about philosophy. So we'll get into philosophy, right? So somebody who has, you know, a, a ligament from a cadaver or, you know, gum graft from the cadaver or something else, right? Like, how does that work? Is the, uh, does a person get raptured up and they leave behind the other person's parts or are those parts now their parts so they go with them or what if the other person gets raptured up and that person the person who has those components in them doesn't do they just like suddenly lose their ligament that's you know helping them with their uh their throwing arm or helping them with their their teeth or whatever right like what what happens to that what if what if the people what if the organ donor and the uh um you know organ recipient um, aren't on the same page with the rapture stuff. What, is, what are the implications of that? That seems like philosophy, um, religious philosophy. Okay. So anyway, uh, Epstein Island, uh, I guess they're going to destroy, the, they're going to make the island into a resort. They're going to destroy the plane that he was on. They're not destroying the plane that he flew back and forth with because of what was in it. 
but because it got kind of dilapidated and the new owner you know, doesn't need it anymore. So he can sell it for parts to get more money. But that led me to think about, you know, a lot of people were saying they should destroy all of that. They should blow up the island, you know, all the awful things that happened on there. Um, but they didn't, you know, look at some things like the DC Madam. Look, look that up. Uh, the DC Madam. Uh, they don't. Des- they didn't destroy the hotel where all the uh, politicians went for that. Uh, they didn't destroy the White House after Bill Clinton um, and his uh, Lewinsky incident. Uh, and then, of course, there's all kinds of stuff around here. Like it has a history of of things that are there. And I'm not trying to argue that the island should be kept, but I'm pointing out the fact that there are lots of other places, like the murder house that I drive by here uh, in in Northwest Oklahoma City all the time. Um, that you know life moves on and you kind of forget about what happens there. But if you knew what happened there at the time, uh, then you drive by and you think about it. Uh, okay. So just, that's enough. Ran on. That's that random thought moving on to the next thing, um, driving through the car in the car the other day. And they're promoting a concert that'll be here locally, uh, with, with, uh, Johnny Lee, the country mu- music musician. Uh, he's, you know, back in the eighties, he had, you know, looking for love and, and some of those, Anyway, it's his fi- his farewell tour. I'm like, hey, that's crazy. I like I liked his music. It's been a long time. He hasn't had a lot since then. Hey, I have Ur- I have an Urban Cowboy CD in my 2009 Honda Pilot that you know I drive. So I pulled out the Urban Cowboy CD and stuck it in. Started listening to some Johnny Lee. Uh, it was nice. It, it la- you know he has about three good songs, three minutes a piece. So that's what nine minutes. So about ten minutes later, play another one, listen to it a second time, and then I you know I'm done with Johnny Lee. That's all I needed. Um, I don't need to go to the concert. I don't even listen to his songs anymore. I kind of got the fix for it. Uh, last Friday, Jake Merrick on the, on the Jake Merrick show had a really good story he told. And I, I encourage you to go check out his show. I'm not going to steal his thunder by telling his story again. Um, but it's, it's a segment called Not Yours to Give towards the end of his um, end of the show. So it's towards it's the last 10 minutes, I think, or five minutes maybe of his Friday, uh, Friday show, which would have been uh, January 6th, I guess. Right. Today's the 8th. 7th, 6th, 5th, and January 5th. Uh, and he, he told a story about Davy Crockett when Davy Crockett was running for office uh, and essentially encountered somebody. They had given $20,000. They had voted as Congress to give $20,000 to victims of the D.C. fires at the time. Uh, and so to try to get them back up on their feet. And I guess he met somebody that in his, uh, his constituents when he was out campaigning uh, and he said, would you vote for me again? He said, I voted for you last time, but I won't for, vote for you next time um, because you gave all that money to the people from the fires. And he's like, well, what about the people from the fires? And the guy was like, yeah, uh, I agree that we want to help them in some way, but you guys could have done a collection plate or done something out of your own pockets, but that tax money is not yours to give. Uh, and it was you know, interesting. I'll, I'll, you should check it out and listen to the whole story. Um, but good stuff from Jake Merrick as always. Uh, so recently it was Saturday was the anniversary of January 6th events, uh, from a few years ago. Uh, the department of justice is now has charged 1400 Americans with January 6th related crimes from that incident. 1400 Americans have been, have been charged, um, from the U S district attorney's office alone, uh, 900 convictions from the U S di- district attorney's office. Uh, most of them with prison time, um, attached to that. Uh, I mean, you've seen the footage where there are 1,400 people to, to charge with something awful in there. Were there 900 people to convict? Um, did anybody get convicted for Ashley Babbitt's murder? Uh, I don't know. But, okay, enough about that. That's not really where I'm going with this. Uh, I'm not trying to relitigate that part of it. So 
Um, they had been previously charging only people who went inside the Capitol building. And so now they're going, they've announced they're going to expand, you know, it's an election year, of course, they're going to expand those outside who were outside the Capitol, who didn't go into the Capitol, um, but may, may have crossed some thresholds to get them a little bit further on the Capitol grounds uh, than they believe they should have been. Uh, so U.S. District Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves said, and this is a quote, he said, but if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. That was his justification for why they're going after people who um, were in the, who were on the Capitol grounds, but not in the Capitol. Let me reframe this a little bit. And from my perspective, right? So you've got taxpayers who are on taxpayer funded grounds and not even inside the Capitol building. You're going to go after them with that logic. I'm going to repeat his quote. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that, that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. That's his justification for going after the people on the Capitol grounds who are not in the building. So does this Department of Justice logic also apply to people illegally entering the United States or just to Trump supporters? That's my question. Uh, does that Department of Justice logic apply to people who have illegally entered the United States, which seemingly would fall with the same logic, right? If a, a person knowingly entered a restricted area without authorization and had committed a federal crime, so they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. So I would think that maybe um, maybe that quote should come back to haunt the Department of Justice. We'll see. I would think that quote should find its way into uh, Mayorkas's impeachment hearings and all kinds of places that, that ought to find its way into. Uh, I think that should find its way into Joe Biden's impeachment hearing uh, when they have that for his failure to support the laws of the land, which he took an oath to do. Um, and he's as they're not enforcing the border law. My two cents. Speaking of two cents, uh, Planned Parenthood commercial the other day told me that you can uh, for $19 a month, you can help support Planned Parenthood. You can just take your hard earned money and send it to Planned Parenthood. So I, you know, I like to be involved in real estate. Uh, I don't have enough money to buy a bunch of properties. So I invest in real estate trusts and those are companies that go out and invest in properties. So um, for those, you know, if I don't have enough money to buy my own properties, I can invest in a company in a smaller part that, buy, that ha owns properties. So for those of you who don't have your own babies to kill, but still want to kill babies, you can contribute $19 a month to Planned Parenthood. I think it's the same kind of thing. Uh, speaking of abortion, Franklin Graham posted some um, some statistics on worldwide abortion. So this is worldwide in 2023, which was last year, 2023, 44.6 million lives were lost to abortion. 44.6 million lives were lost to abortion. 8.2 million lives were lost to cancer. Put that in perspective, right? The 8.2 million lives lost to cancer are an absolute tragedy, right? Like that's that's horrific. That's awful. We spend tons of money trying to cure cancer as we should 8.2 million lives lost to cancer, but there are 44.6 million lives lost to abortion. Unbelievable. Uh, Thomas LaDuke um, wrote an article about the 2020 election recently. I, I guess data on what people perceive about the 2020 election now. And so I'm just going to give you some data on it. I'm not going to give you his interpretation, which I liked his interpretation. I'm not going to give you his interpretation. I'm not even going to give you my interpretation. I'm going to give you the data. 62% of adults think that Biden was legitimately elected. 62%. Only 62% of, of adults think that Biden was legitimately elected. 
Uh, that's down from 69% uh, who thought that he was legitimately elected back in 2021. So you're seeing that number decrease as far as how many people think Biden was legitimately elected? 31% of Republicans think Biden was legitimately elected, and that's down from 39% in 2021. Uh, 91% of Democrats think that Joe Biden was legitimately elected, and that, that's down from 94% in 2021. So you're seeing a consistent decrease across all of these. 66% of an independents think that Biden was legitimately elected, and then that's down from 72% in 2021. Uh, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about, well, let's go right into social psychology here. So we're going to talk social psych, I guess, from here on out until we get to the Patriot Brain Line. So Society for Personality and Social Psychology is one of my professional organizations. It's it's extremely liberal and has been. And, you know, what are my options, right? I can resign my membership from there, but they do good science. They're, they do bad science that's mixed in there too, but they do, they do, there's really solid science in there. I'm trained as a scientist in this discipline. It's my discipline. Uh, there, like I said, there's some, as we'll kind of see, there's some political biases that find their way into some of the research, but a lot of it is doesn't, and it's really good, solid research. It has been for many years. So what do I do, right? As a conservative, do I resign my membership from there and just seed that ground like I did with higher education? Um, or do I stay there and fight? And like, no, you guys are going to be stuck with me. You're going to have to see me. You're going to have to listen to me. I'm not going away, which is what happened with my psychology today blog and everything else where People came after me for five years trying to discredit me and attack me in a million different ways. And finally, they gave up because they're like, this guy's not going to quit. And so it's a waste of our time. So I've chose to stay in in that organization. So I want you to let's let's play a game. How, how well do you know your host? I'm your host, by the way. How well do you know your host? I want you to help me fill out the survey that I had to fill out for um, my re renewing my membership in the Society for Personality and Social Psychology. So here's two questions I was having difficulty with. And I, I thought maybe you all could at least put, put forth a guess in your mind as to what I should answer for this. So, and I'll go through kind of what's going through my mind as I do this. What is your gender? And here are my options. Okay. Cause I, I had an answer. Like I, I had an answer ready to go queued up. I was like, okay, male, man whatever, like, like guy, boy, whatever it says. Right. So what is your gender? So my options were in order, man. I'm like, okay, yeah, that one. That's pretty easy. Woman. Okay. That's pretty easy. It's not that one I thought. And I don't know what you guys think. You, you can guess which one I'll select. Uh, gender queer slash gender non-conforming. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what most of that means. Non-conforming. Does that mean like does that mean sexually non-conforming or does that just mean like non-conforming, like you're a conservative in a liberal area? Um, but there's a slash there. So that would seem to be like, is that like a, is that a binary thing? Like you're genderqueer or non gender non-conforming or both or something. I don't know what that option is. Move on. Self-describe. <laughs> what do you mean self-describe? Uh, it's an open-ended thing. I can just type whatever I want in there. Um, what is your gender? I I'm still thinking I would probably go with, Male is what I'd probably put. Uh, and then the other option, one, two, three, four, fifth option is I'd rather not say. Uh, so it, it seems to cover a lot of bases, but there's no place for you to say, I don't know, which if they're going to confuse you with that many things, and it seems like it ought to be the option. Well, it, spoiler alert, I went with man, uh, and I might have been the only person in the entire organization and the entire SPSP professional organization that selected that one. I don't know. Um, I know lots of other men that are members of it, but I, I don't know what they would have put. Maybe they put, I'd rather not say, maybe they put 
self-describe and, and specified something else. Maybe they put one of the others. I don't know. Um, but I put, I put man. So I don't know how well, you know, the host, I don't know if you got that one, right. Um, I don't know if I got that one, right. Uh, what is your sexual orientation was the next question I got. And so like, I'm thinking, okay, uh, seems like a slam dunk, right? First one's asexual. Okay. Is that like, it's one word. So it's not two words. Asexual would be different than asexual. Uh, bisexual would seeming, you know, asexual might sound like, like you're interested in sex bisexual that's got to be twice as good as asexual right i guess you could make that argument uh, gay slash lesbian uh, heterosexual slash straight which i've seen enough television and i've seen enough stuff printed in the back of the nfl end zones to tell me that i'm probably not supposed to pick that one because that's the bad one heterosexual straight uh, pansexual that could mean different things though. i'm trying to understand what all these things mean right pansexual pan like the the, the the origin of the root word that means everything or pansexual, like Peter Pan with little boys. That's a totally different thing. So I don't really know what that word is. Um, queer. I'm not really sure what that means because the question before for gender said, uh, gender queer, all one word, lowercase for most of it. So I'm, I'm really not sure what that one means. Self-describe again. So if you just can't get one out of those others, you can make something up and then I'd rather not say, uh, those are my options. So I, I don't know if I got it right. I went with heterosexual straight. Um, so for those two questions, I went with man and heterosexual straight. So I feel like that's, you know, reflective of me, but I'm pretty sure that the organization is going to probably send some type of intervention to me for selecting those th two things together. Okay. So moving on to bias, social psychology research. So this is an article by Molinas et al. 2023. Uh, it's a peer-reviewed article in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. It's in volume. Uh, so some of you, some of you uh, folks out there are trained to go hunt this one down and tear it apart. Uh, I encourage you to do so and let me know what you come up with. I haven't read the original. I read pieces of the original article and I've read some other stuff by the author about it. Um, skimmed enough of the original article to, um, to be able to, to say that what I'm saying, I'm saying with confidence. But uh, you should be able to pick apart some things in there, I'm guessing, as far as bias that might have entered and how they formed questions and things like that. Anyway, Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, Volume 108, uh, Trial by Ideology, um, Ideological Differences in Responses to Errors in Determining Guilt in the United States. And so what they did was uh, they had a person they had a person that they had a scenario that a person either got away with some wrongdoing uh, or they were falsely accused of a wrongdoing. So here you either did something wrong and got away with it, or you were accused of doing something wrong, but you hadn't done it. And so they gave scenarios about this. And here are some example scenarios they gave. So one example scenario is a parent didn't notice their child doing something bad, which means the child got away with it, or the parent yelled at a child for something they didn't do. Uh, the child was falsely accused. So, they, had, they did six studies with college students and online uh, U.S. adults. Um, they had people rate how much each scenario bothered them, and they also got their political ideology from that. So they're able to relate those two things. So they, they, found, an, they found an effect uh, more for social instead of economic issues. So, and they gave examples of social issues being you know, important things like abortion and economic issues being things like, I don't remember what example they gave, but it'd be like taxes would be an economic issue. This is, I think, really key to interpreting these findings is the fact that they only found it for social issues rather than economic issues. And we know from moral foundations theory that which 
I don't think they probably discussed in their interpretation of this, but we know from moral foundation theory that um, conservatives are interested. Conservatives are much more broad in, in what they're focused on as far as moral foundations, and they cover all of them. Liberals only stick to really the social justice and that type of thing. So, but conservatives are also interested in those. So that's why we're seeing the difference only occur on social issues, I think. Um, so it's also important to point out that neither, neither ideology liked these scenarios. So as far as being bothered, everybody was bothered by the scenarios, whether you were a liberal or conservative, everybody was bothered by the scenarios, but there are some differences in how some were bothered more than others. So both liberals and conservatives were more bothered by a false accusation compared to failing to detect guilt. So both liberals and conservatives were more bothered by a false accusation uh, than they were failing to detect guilt. But relative to each other, liberals were more bothered than conservatives about false accusations. So false accusations bothered liberals more than it bothered conservatives. Still bothered everybody a lot, bothered liberals more than conservatives. Conservatives were more bothered than liberals by failure to detect guilt. So again, both conservatives and liberals were bothered by failure to detect guilt, but conservatives were more bothered by it than liberals. So let's get into some of the interpretations the authors have, because I think the authors are probably very liberal and they're just really working hard to try to understand conservatives without ever actually talking to conservatives. Uh, that's a norm in, in social psychology. Uh, so the authors believe it's because conservatives are more sensitive to threats than liberals, right? So the sky is falling. That's the conservatives problem. At least that's the author's take on it. Um, so they also varied threat time uh, or threat um, level, I guess, threat level. So whether it was high or low, is this a, a high level, a high level threat or a low level threat? And they found no difference when threat was high, but they found differences when threat was low, which conceptually would indicate threat sensitivity. But let's look at some of the examples they gave. Uh, so example of uh, an ambiguous threat. So this is one that would be considered kind of a low threat. It may or may not really be a threat. It's not that big a deal. That's really by definition, what they're saying is it's not that big a deal. Person robbed several homes, but was never caught. Oh, that's just property damage. So that's not a big deal. That's why it's ambiguous. Like there's no potential threat that could come from that. And if it is, then you're over the top crazy and, and threat sensitive, you conservative, you know, whatever. So that's their take on that, right? So person robbed several homes, but was never caught. That's the ambiguous one. Uh, person assaulted someone, but was never caught. That's a high threat. So researchers seem to be liberals. Uh, they frame everything around conservative pathologies as you would really consider them. Uh, and instead of having an, an interpretation of liberals are too dumb to see threats, uh, they use liberals as the reality baseline and they frame it as conservatives are too sensitive. Um, so conservatives may be more bothered by failures to detect guilt because this is their interpretation again, because they believe in retributive justice, the idea that punishment is necessary for justice to be served. And they're more authoritarian. Like these are their interpretations of why, uh, of all this, that conservatives are just psycho bad, right? Um, their answer to why this is serious. The answer, their answer to why liberals are more bothered by false accusations is that liberals are attuned to humanitarianism and fairness. So I encourage the handful of you all that are, you know, social psychology PhDs and social soon to be social psychology PhDs and social psychology trained um, behavioral scientists, researchers, those of you that are out there that I know listen to this podcast that are conservatives, I encourage you to go out there and absolutely rip this thing to shreds as far as the bias in it. Not necessarily the findings, although you may if the findings come into question if you find that all the examples that they used were very biased. Anyway, 
that's where we're at for that one. Okay, so let's go to the Patriot Brain Line. I'll get back to this other study in the, clo- in, in the closing thoughts. All right, so to the Patriot Brain Line. Jason from Piedmont said, I agree, these bowl games are getting out of hand. Instead of bowl tie-ins, they need to be more regional. Uh, many schools end up losing money from going to bowl games. Uh, Coastal Carolina played in the Hawaii Bowl. So it's kind of like the, you know, my think, my thinking on that is it's kind of like the, the NIT, right? The National Invitational Tournament uh, in college basketball. Uh, the lower tier tournament that um, isn't the NCAA tournament where schools end up losing money by playing in that tournament. Uh, bowls are like that now, or maybe maybe teams, if they don't have the tie-ins, they can decline and just say, I'm not going to go to that bowl. I uh, Okay, so yeah. Uh, David from Kansas City says, please tell me that you weren't listening to a sermon about the eight pound, nine ounce baby Jesus and we're thinking about the Nirvana baby. Uh, yeah, thank, I've loved the... Uh, um, Talladega Knights reference. And uh, yes, David, there is a Nirvana baby. Chris from Washington State says, good show, Doc. Funny you mentioned caroling. For some reason, I thought about that this Christmas. They did it in my neighborhood when I was a kid. I don't even think it was associated with a church. It was just our neighbors, uh, right? Small town feel community type thing. Uh, yeah, it was important. It's uh, Caroling was an important kind of um, glue that held together the fabric of the community. Uh, Sarah from California says, we used to carol in high school with some of the, of the school clubs. One of the parents would pull a flatbed trailer with straw bales on them. One of the perks of growing up in an ag community. Uh, and for those of you out there who are city folks, ag means agriculture. Uh, and we'd all sit on them and, and slowly get pulled around in uh, the surrounding neighborhoods while singing. So much fun. You know, thank you, Sarah from California, always listening on iHeartRadio. Um, now that's America, right? Like that's America right there, riding around on a you know flatbed trailer with straw bales. Uh, and, and I've done that actually, uh, our church had a flatbed trailer, uh, with straw bales that we rode around when I was in high school in the Christmas parade and threw candy to the kids. Um, that was a, and that was an easy way to, to, to do that was someone, someone has one and we all hop on it and, and ride through the parade in, in downtown Chickasha, Oklahoma, where I grew up. Uh, thank you for sharing that to both of you, um, both Chris and, and Sarah for sharing that. Um, I, I, you know, I asked for you all to let me know about the caroling stuff, and it seemed to bring back a lot of good memories for people. Uh, Crimson Tide Kelly says, uh, my co-op did some caroling at the assisted living senior homes in the area. I think that's an important group to visit, not only for the holidays, but all year round. They're stuck there and so lonely. I would love to see more caroling neighborhoods in neighborhoods, though. Uh, that is rare these days. Uh, again, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you all got, got to do some caroling. Uh, Crimson Tide Kelly also Asked essentially, does the relationship between income and self-esteem differ by gender since men are by nature providers? Uh, and, you know, if you raise that question in an, in a, in an academic setting, um, you know, let, let's take a class, right? If you raise that question in a class, uh, most social psychologists are going to just tear into you for that. Uh, men and women are not different and they're going to just rip into you for all kinds of stuff. But the people in the class are all going to be sitting around going, unless they are completely, uh, you know, um, militized into feminism um, as they have often increasingly become. Uh, most people in classroom are sitting around with you going, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and I think that's a great question. So, you know, I don't know about the data in this, in that particular study that I talked about in the last podcast, um, but all of the evolutionary psychology research supports what you just said uh, across cultures and time. Women prefer men with more resources and working women prefer, prefer men uh, who make more than they do. Even at the highest levels of affluence, that's the case. Uh, humans are wired that way, and it's one of the reasons why men get so uncomfortable when their income decreases or their spouse makes more than them. 
Uh, it's not impossible to handle by any means um, at the individual level, um, but the trends support this and identify it at the very least as a major stressor on, on a relationship. So thank you for that question. Uh, Chris from South Oklahoma City said, great show as always. One of the reasons to pay attention to massive trends or culturally significant events like Harry Potter is that you are looking for you are looking at a common human experience. Harry Potter was astonishing in its reach. Uh, J.K. Rowling, the author, was a divorced single mother on British welfare who would write notes for her books on napkins she took from the pub. Uh, she now is one of the wealthiest humans ever to live or to ever live. There is plenty of intriguing developmental psychology in the series as you follow Harry and his friends uh, as they grow up and mature. Uh, really, what I'm trying to say is you could have you could have had over two decades of nightmares about Voldemort by this point, like the rest of us. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for sharing that. Uh, Brian from Southwest Oklahoma City says, I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy the thoughtful work you put into your production uh, and the things that I get from your efforts. Of course, I am sharing the podcast with my friends, my enemies, and my frenemies. Nobody who is within earshot of my office can easily escape the knowledge emanating from my speakers while replaying my Patriot brain. Uh, thank you, Brian, for listening. Uh, I hope your book uh, comes along soon. I look forward to reading it. And to all of those within earshot of your office who are no longer able to escape the knowledge emanating from Brian's speakers while replaying my Patriot brain, I tell you, thank you. And maybe check out the show for yourself. Uh, thanks to everybody for contributing to the Patriot brain line. Uh, you can voice message me through Spotify for podcasters, engage with the show through truth, social and locals, or email me at the email address listed on my website, the conservative social psychologist.com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting my Patriot brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for podcasters page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. And now it's time for my closing thoughts. Just for fun, let's assume that what appear uh, to be liberal biased researchers in an objectively liberal biased field actually did unbiased quality work and found a real effect. What does it mean? It means that for social issues only, liberals and conservatives were bothered by the same things under the same circumstances, but had a few differences. One difference was that liberals were more bothered than conservatives about false accusations. How do we resolve that with all of the false accusations by liberals that we see in the media? Easy. It should arouse more dissonance and, and thus be easier for them to convince themselves it's not false. Another difference is that conservatives were more bothered than liberals by failures to detect guilt. Liberals prey on conservatives by, by playing the whataboutism game. Ignore precedent. Ignore Hillary Clinton. Ignore Joe Biden. If Donald Trump is guilty, even if the rules are applied differently, you Republicans must convict him. That's how they play you. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Radio Public, and a now Odyssey. Follow me on Truth Social, Locals, Rumble, and YouTube. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. And be sure to check out my Truth Social and my Locals account. I'll post more stuff on there, and I will catch up with you on our show on Thursday. Thank you very much for listening.